Hi, welcome to this week's Mountain Basketball. I'm glad you're with me and it's time to talk about Colorado basketball. I have a good one on tap today. It's with Troy Andre from the University of Colorado. He's the SID, which is the Sports Information Director. So he's in charge of all things media related and keeps the, the University of Colorado front and center for the around the town and around the country. He does a fantastic job. He's a great guy and I'm really pleased that he took the time to speak with me today. And um, so I spoke with him at the University of Colorado Basketball Stadium and I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I know I did. Hi, I'm here with Troy Andre from the University of Colorado. He's the SID for the basketball team, which is Sports Information Director. He's agreed to do an interview with me. And so, Troy, thanks for being here. Yep, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Just to kick it off, could you give me a little bit about your background, kind of where you, where you grew up, went to school? I uh, grew up in Greeley, Colorado, okay. um, which is obviously about an hour north of Boulder. Um, went... Uh, University High School there, uh, played baseball, um, ran cross country, did a lot of uh, but did a lot of statistical work. I wasn't great in sports, so kind of you know my background you know to to get to where we are now started back then doing stats for uh, some of the teams. Uh, went three years University of Missouri um, for journalism, and uh, ended up graduating from Northern Colorado. Uh, at the time, I was going to be in print. I wanted to be like a sports writer, sports broadcaster. Okay. Um, when I was in Missouri, I kind of transferred to more of the PR, public relations, to what, you know, basically what, um, building the background to where I am now. Um, I transferred back to the University of Northern Colorado, worked in sports information there, so worked with some of the sports there with their Division Two, and then uh, did my grad school at North Dakota State, uh, which was... Uh, uh, late 90s and uh, worked in the sports information office there and so that's education wise um, and then I've been so involved in, in Colorado but moved around a lot yep. so is getting back to Colorado something you always wanted to do or did it just happen I, I did you know my whole my whole family's here like they live within a hundred miles of Denver to be honest with you um, but at the same time you know I moved away for 10 years and I would I absolutely recommend that to anybody you know just to just to see new um you know new 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 places um experience different cultures you know within you know america just just to see different people how people live and it was uh it was a great experience i'm glad i did but yeah my heart's always been home in colorado good so now you're the sid at the university of colorado i think some of my listeners may not know what that is it's very much behind the scenes Mm -hmm. um integral job here can you can you explain kind of what a sports information director does for sure. the basketball team? Well, and, and it's actually commonly known in about three different ways. It depends on the school you go to. There's sports information. There's also media relations, and there's also athletic communications. So but at, at, its, at, at its core, it's basically public relations, media relations. Um, you know, we do uh, uh, statistics, history, um, coordinating media interviews, uh, you know, obviously, in, in with basketball, you know, every game's on radio, every game's on TV. Uh, we've got a beat writer, and it's just, uh, you know, coordinating interviews and uh, public relations, you know, dealing with uh, uh, coordinating student-athletes with members of the media. Right. So you, you said initially that you were looking in college about a, a job in journalism. So how did it switch over to this? It's actually, it, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, I look back on it now and, you know, I thank my lucky stars, you know, but basically what happened was it was the summer in 93 and I was actually in the transition of thinking about moving back to Colorado from Missouri. I was actually a beat reporter for the Denver Broncos training camp at, uh, um, in Greeley. It was at the University of Northern Colorado right. at the time. And back then, and I mean, NFL training camps were a little bit longer, a little bit more, you know, I mean, players lived in the dorms, all that. Um, and I was the beat writer for the Greeley Tribune for that. And to be honest with you, I started getting burnt out on it. And I was like, do I really want to do this day in and day out? You know, the, covering camps, covering, you know. So I, I was starting to question whether or not this is what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I was, and I was literally, I think I was probably 20, you know. So I actually was an off day and long time, uh, very well respected in our profession, media uh, PR guy for the Denver Broncos. Um, he's retired now, but Jim Sakamano kind of took me under his wing and I actually, on an off day, sat down with him and just started asking him about what he did. And that's how I started learning about, you know, the PR side of it, being part of the team, if you will, um, being on that side of it, and I really started to become intrigued. Um, I still had one more year in Missouri that I, you know, I kind of went back there and I started changing my major and started getting my classes in order. Uh, then I came back to UNC and started looking at PR as opposed to print and uh, worked sports information there and it's ever since. Now, you know, you fast forward 25 years and the landscape's completely changed in terms of the media. That was one of my questions, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, journalism changes a whole. So absolutely, it has. Changed. Absolutely, it has. You know, back then, you know, papers were big. Um, you know, you look at the Boulder Daily Camera, you know, and they had uh, alone, they probably, you know, right now they have two, maybe three full-time writers. You know, back then they probably had seven, eight. They were covering the Broncos, they were covering the Rockies, they were covering, they were tra not only were they covering them, they were traveling with them. Now, here at Colorado, you know, we're, we're barely getting consistent coverage for our Olympic sports here at CU. You know, and you look back 25 years ago, they were covering everything. They probably, they probably 25 years ago, they would have writers specifically for like women's basketball. Um, and uh, some of the Olympic sports. And by Same thing with sports, you mean skiing, running, yeah, right, like, skiing, volleyball. You know, yeah. non non revenue sports. Yeah. So you know, the, um, but they uh, uh, and now you know I, I've got some very good friends that are um, you know grew up in the print field, and I know that they're you know a lot of them think you know are thankful that they have jobs, but don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, just because the you know papers are dwindling, um, that that part of uh, that profession is just dwindling, you know. So and it's who's changing. your main contact with? Is it now radio, or is it more TV? Or well, it, it's still there. It, it's still all three, you know, print, TV, and radio. Um, but I think more and more, what we're doing is, is is we're turning into our own media outlet. And what I mean by that is um, using our website. Um, you know, we have our own writer, which is becoming more of a commonplace around the nation, where schools, you know, have their own beat writer in-house to write for their website and that's becoming you know we were actually one of the first to do it back about 2007 2008 we hired bg brooks um right as the rocky mountain news uh had uh, folded and i think bg was out of work for maybe i could be wrong but it, around six months not quite a year yeah. 
and we hired his we hired that position and so he started writing for us he's since retired now neil welk has joined us and neil you know worked for the boulder daily camera for 30 some years right so just so people, my listeners understand you're talking about cubus.com correct and th- th- I did want to ask you about that. So that's completely run. It's managed by you, but it's really from the university. It's not. It's not a third-party run site. No, I mean from a from a backbone standpoint, it is run by a third party. And, and, and what I mean by that is hosting it. Okay. You know, they they host it. They provide us a template. And actually, to take that one further, we're in a unique situation because the Pac-12 conference actually owns all of our media rights. You know, that's why you see the Pac-12 network and stuff like that. Well, um, websites are included. So if you notice, uh, all 12 Pac-12 schools are with the same website provider. Um, that's on purpose. That's, you know, because the Pac-12 decided we're going to, uh, in our web, this particular provider is called Sidearm. And all 12 schools have to go through this portal and work. And, and so it's kind of dictated by them. But from a day-to-day operation standpoint and content standpoint, it is us. So a lot of the content that's on cubuffs.com will not be run by the Daily Camera or any other news source that's completely... A lot of the revenue stuff won't. Now, what will always happen in, in, the, in the original stuff? Now, what will happen is, is we still have those, uh, like, for instance, you know, I worked with Women's Golf this last year. Um, you know, the Boulder Daily Camera, per se, is not going to go out and cover a tournament with somebody, but... Part of our job that's, that stood the test of time is we write a press release after an event. We send them the press release, um, and it's just it's at the it's at the discretion of the editor. Sometimes the editor will uh, tinker with it, you know, and, and they'll obviously tailor it to their paper. You know, I'll send them a, I'll send them 20 inches, if you will. Well, they may only have room for 12 of it, and of course, online they have room for the whole 20. But in their paper, they may only have room for eight to twelve, so they'll edit it down and right. and <clears throat> excuse me, put it uh, put it in their paper. Now sometimes they'll use it verbatim um, as I send it to them. Sometimes they'll change it up quite a bit. Just right. kind of depends. So what what about sponsorship? I'm looking at a banner behind you right now. It's got the CU logo, the Pac-12 shield, but also sure. Toyota. Sure. Is that, does that fall under you as well, or is that completely That's different actually department? completely different, um, okay. although they're an arm of the athletic department. It's called Buffalo Sports Properties, and they're a Learfield group. Learfield uh, <clears throat> does the media rights for a lot of schools, I mean, tons of schools nationwide. Um, but we have a local arm called Buffalo Sports Properties, and essentially what we do is, is we um, contract them to go out and get sponsorships like the one that you see behind me. Okay. What about podcasters? I mean, have you dealt with many podcasters like me, or am I just making your life harder? No. Um, and, and this is one of the newer, you know, newer formats, relatively speaking, um, <clears throat> that you're seeing out there right now. In fact, we actually uh, have done a couple uh, internally as well. And I say Neil Welk, and I believe you, you spoke to Mark Johnson. Yeah. Um, and Mark, you know, Mark falls into that. He's actually employed by us now as that, as that media entity itself known as cubus.com internally grows. He's another piece of that. One of the things that we've tried to do, I, I don't know if we've done a great job uh, advertising it, but they have done some podcasts, Neil and, and Mark. Yeah, I've listened to some um, of those, yeah, yeah, and so they've done some of those, and I think that'll only grow. Yeah, so you're making it, just to wrap up this side of the interview, you're making it sound like since print journalism's kind of 
slightly on the decline, you guys are bringing in a lot of this content more internally and pushing it out from the inside. Right, we are, and, and, and that's something you're seeing nationwide. That's not just anything that's uh, new to us. That's, you know, that, that's basically a global thing right now. Um, I, as, as somebody with a journalism background, I certainly hope that papers never go away. Um, yeah, you're, they're always going to have their place. You know, it, 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 it pains me to see what some of these guys are going through, especially like what the, you know, obviously the stuff with the Denver Post has been in the media a lot uh, this summer, you know, and I, and I feel for those people. Um, but what we have to do as a university is, is we can't do much about those, uh, those pieces of media dwindling. You know, we have to go out and now we have to be the ones to tell the story. And there's advantages to that. You know, we'll, we can go out and we can, um, you know, we can tell the good story. We can tell the human interest story. Um, that, you know, especially back in the day, papers, newspapers may not necessarily have covered. One of my biggest, you know, from, now this is going back 10, 15 years ago, one of my biggest frustrations with, with print media at, in my position was they always seem to cover the negative thing, but never the positive thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd see the uh, you'd see the big article in the paper about a football player that became ineligible academically, but you'd never see the article about the ten guys on the team that are all academic, right. all all district or all Americans. And that always frustrated me. Now, we as a media, we as a university, can do that on our own now. And now we're starting to put the resources into that. We had a website 15 years ago. But we were still all SIDs, and we were still doing the, you know, the history, the record keeping, and dealing with other media. Now we have our own people in house that can write stories and, and, and push out content that way. Right, that makes a lot of sense. This is a basketball podcast, so I want to ask you some questions specifically about the, the sort of the game day sure. experience, what you do around the basketball team. I mean, from the outside, it really looks like you kind of have a dream job. You're going <laughs> to the games. You're, you know, heavily involved with the team. I mean, during a game, is it fun? Are you watching the game, or is it hard work? And what are you doing, sort of, when the whistle, the tip, and to the end of the game? It, it, it really, it's funny, Andrew. It really kind of depends on the situation. And what I mean by that is, is, is the first example that pops in my mind is obviously, um, you know, I'm supervising a student staff that's working for me. You know, we've got a we've got a student staff crew. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on them and making sure that, you know, they're keeping the stats. Those are the guys on the table. Right, exactly. Outside, yeah. um, you know, and, and, you know, keeping notes, uh, stuff like that. And so during the, during the season, if we've got a full staff, um, I can actually kind of sit back and just kind of oversee everything. Uh, during, the, during the breaks, uh, when we don't have as much staff, I might be a little bit more hands-on. Um, but... You know, there are times I'm always kind of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to come up with notes during the game. So that's probably the, the one constant for me anyway is as the game's going on, I'm like trying, like for instance, you know, if somebody's climbing up a career ladder or a season ladder, right. you know, we saw McKinley, right, uh, or a little bit earlier where, you know, he uh, was on a lot of freshman record lists last year. So a lot of it was kind of tracking how he was doing. Um, I like trends, you know, hey, somebody's, you know, made 10 out of their last 15 shots or somebody's got double-doubles in three out of their last four games. So it's just kind of coming up with those things. And, and one of the reasons I'm coming up with for them is to give them to the media, you know, to give them to television, to give them to the radio so they can use in their broadcasts. Right, so, that leads into another question. Sure. Troy was just mentioning, we walking in here, into the, we're in the basketball stadium right now, 
we saw McKinley right and got to meet him briefly right before this interview. Um, so the games in conference are often covered by the Pac-12 network. Are you, when they come in, when Bill Walton's calling yeah. a game from the sideline, are you working with him at all, or is that their own show? Absolutely, or, no. Um, and and what will happen a lot of times is before before, before most games there's a shoot-around. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like, for instance, if it's, you know, we'll have a 7 o'clock game. Depending on what our class schedule is, if we're home, our shoot-around might be 10 a.m. and might be 3. It's generally at least 4 or 5 hours before tip. Um, for those practices, a lot of time, those TV guys will come in and they'll sit with me and we'll talk about the team. Because, uh, and what, what some, you know, you, if you're paying attention, you might realize, but a lot of times these guys are little, literally doing a game the night before, right, flying yeah. in to the morning to get to our practice. So, so in a lot of ways, they need our help kind of starting to prepare for their game because 24 hours before, they were thinking of something completely different. They were on a different situation, a different yeah. game, and everything. So they come in, we kind of, you know, walk through the team with them, talk about the team, and, you know, give them little uh, notes and anecdotes that I can. Right. Um, and sometimes of, a, you know, a human interest story nature, sometimes of a performance nature. It just kind of depends. Okay. Yeah, I listen to a lot of Bill Walton's calls, and we often just talk about Boulder yep. and the yep. bike riding one on that morning, but yeah. yeah, I enjoy listening to him. So, a couple specific questions. Are are you in the locker room for the pregame and halftime talks and, and that stuff? No, uh, generally no. Um, the only time I'll go, and halftime, not at all. Uh, pregame, the only time I do anything pregame is say if like TV requests like an all-access thing where they go in and tape uh, coaches' write speech before they come out. Um, but that really only happens. That's probably two or three times a year. You know, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, I will go in there post-game, uh, mainly because, you know, they'll leave the court, they'll go post-game, and then I have to kind of basically say, hey, I need X, Y, Z for the press conference. Right. I need to send somebody out to radio. Yeah. So I'm in there for that. Okay. And did you ever get any complaints or from fans or from players, parents about – how they're being covered or something that's in the media about them? Um, that relationship generally pretty good? Generally pretty good. Uh, any sort of complaints or problems have been very few and far between. Uh, and to be honest with you, in, in, in especially with, with this team in particular, um, boy, I don't know if I really had any. Um, you know, you, you do have some parents that are a little bit more involved and a little bit more, you know, uh, but at the same time, what's kind of nice about that is those are the ones you actually build a relationship with. You know, there are parents of some players that I've actually become pretty close to and remained pretty good friends with over the years, and, and there are some that I really never get to know at all. And, you know, you always like to build relationships with people, so it's, it's fun to get to know them that way. But kind of a roundabout way. No, I, re I really haven't had a lot of complaints. Yeah, that's here, good to yeah. hear. Yeah. So I've got a couple kind of... Getting to the close of our time here, I got a couple couple more questions. So, I imagine you probably work with Tad Boyle pretty mm -hmm. closely, and I've heard a lot of great things. Is, what's your working relationship like with him? Coach is great. You know, the one thing I one thing I tell people about Coach, um, he's a very genuine person. What you see is what you get. Um, it's always floored me that, like you mentioned, we were talking. I, I sit. I'm in the locker room a lot of times. You know. He goes in the locker room and, and he gives his speech and, you know, he tells the guys about the game, whatever. He'll come into the media room and he'll basically say the same thing. 
There's not a lot of difference from what he says in the locker room oh, to what really? he says here. Might be a few less colorful words, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's generally the same. And, and he's, he's going to tell you how he feels. And, you know, and the good part about that, too, is, is when he's saying that to the players in there, then the players are coming in here and they're saying the same things, too. So they're always they're on the same page, and and I have a lot of respect for him that he does that. But he's very accommodating, uh, very genuine. Um, and we grew up in the same hometown. You know, we both we're both from Greeley, um, but he uh, uh, he's as genuine as you get as a person. Okay, this is a very specific question. I saw a photo of you online at the Final Four. Okay. Do you, so do you tra- do you travel to some of these tournaments outside? Offside as well, like the final. Four um, not as much as I, I probably wish I could, and a lot of it just comes down to budget and uh, timing. Um, I was at the final four in Phoenix. Um, a lot of that has to do with the timing was just right for that one. Arizona State was hosting it. Uh, good friend of mine there. Um, they were gracious enough to have me come down and help. Uh, my wife has, actually has an aunt and uncle down there, so I had somewhere to stay. Um, so it, it, it kind of. You know, it's all about money. It's all about budget. It's all about timing. You know, I'd love to go to every single one. Um, it's not always feasible. Like this year wasn't feasible for for several reasons. Yeah. But next year it's in Minnesota. You know, I lived there for seven years. I'd I'd like to go. I'm hoping to go. So would you be working while you're there, yeah. meeting with other SIDs? Yeah. And, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, a lot of those big, and you see that across. You know, those all those big events. Uh, you know, a lot of people like come in and volunteer. You know, that's and it's it's all for the experience. You're not getting paid to do that. You know, and, and a lot of times you're having to pay to get there. Um, but it's a nice, rewarding experience. It was, it was really cool to do. And I've I've done a few things like that over the years. Uh, there are some people like, you know, uh, you know, I know there are people that have been to 20 straight Rose Bowls or 30 right. straight Super Bowls, and you know, uh, a lot of Final Fours. You know, some of the people that I worked with have probably been to the last 10, 15 Final Fours. But, and I've only been to one. <laughs> but, and hopefully, but hopefully uh, I'll be able to do a few more here in the future. Great. Well, well that's uh, actually all my questions in my time. So, Troy, thanks for being here with me today. You bet. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. All right. Thank you. Well, that's my conversation with Troy Andre, the SID for the men's basketball team at the University of Colorado. I want to thank him again for taking the time to speak with me. He's a great guy, and I really enjoyed that conversation. There's one thing I want to point out again. After our conversation, after I hit stop on the recording, we chatted for a little bit longer, and I asked him a couple more questions, and one of them I thought gave me an interesting answer. It was I asked him what the hardest part of his job was, and he told me, I should have probably realized this, but he told me just the hours. I mean, a lot of these games are at Saturday nights or Tuesday nights or early in the morning on a Sunday, and... So you're, he's really on call all the time, and it's a very d- challenging job for that respect. It's not really a nine-to-five job. He's on, on call all the time, and so I appreciate the work he does. I think he's doing a fantastic job, and want to thank him again for doing that interview with me. I really enjoyed getting to know him, and so thanks, Troy, and thanks for being with me at this week's Mountain Basketball Podcast.